I don't know if you guys have ever worn a pair of full-length bunny pajamas before. It's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Christ Point Church. It's so good to see you. Uh, my name is James. In addition to being a part-time Easter bunny, I'm the full-time pastor here at Christ Point. It is good to see you this morning. Uh, if you grew up in the church, or if you've been around a little while, when I was a little kid, I would go to church on Easter, and the pastor would stand up, and he would say, He is risen, and everyone else would reply, Pretty good, pretty good. We're going to do it one more time. He is risen. Yes, he is. If you have the card that you received when you came here this morning, there's a QR code on that little postcard you received. If you could scan that, uh, and if you are new to Christ Point, let us know that you were here this morning. Please take a moment and fill that out. You can do it right now if you'd like. If you're interested in taking a next step here at Christ Point, or if you just want to let us know that you were here this morning, we certainly would appreciate that. Next Sunday at 9 a.m. on Zoom, we have our next Discover Christ Point class. It's an opportunity that uh, you have to take a next step here at Christ Point and hear uh, more about this local church body. Uh, I would encourage you to attend if you're able. It's about an hour long. Uh, like I said, we share our story. We get to know yours a little bit as well. And so I would love to see you uh, next week, 9 o'clock on Zoom. Again, just scan that QR code and uh, let us know that you're coming so we can send you uh, the link. Also want to give thanks to God for those who are here this morning who donated food to the Mission City uh, Food Pantry on uh, Thursdays every single week. Uh, once a month here at Christ Point, we provide food for them. Uh, they're doing a good work in the Charlotte community and reaching some under-resourced families, and it's been our great joy to be able to come alongside of them uh, in their good work. Uh, last but certainly not least, if I could be so bold, even before the message, I want to invite you back next week. Uh, we kick off a new series, Walking Through uh, the Letter to the Colossians. Uh, it's Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's all about Jesus. We exist as a church to point people to Jesus, and so I want to encourage you to come back uh, and hear news that literally uh, will change your life about who Jesus is. How do you guys like the sun? I, I asked the guys the other week, I'm like, where's the sun going to be? And they're like, it's going to be in everyone else's eyes. And I'm like, perfect. As long as I'm comfortable, it's great. So <laughs> I'm glad you guys are fighting through that this morning. Before we jump into the text, I want to pray together. So would you bow and uh, let's pray. As has become our custom here at Christ Point, I want to encourage you to take a minute and you pray uh, for you. You know you uh, better than I know you. You know what you need. You know what you uh, bring this morning. And so just take a moment uh, praying that God would be gracious and kind to you and that he would open your eyes to his word. And if I could be so bold, would you pray for me? I pray that I would be clear and pray that I would be helpful uh, as I seek to uh, teach from God's word. Would you pray for me? God, we give you thanks for your living and active word. Thanks for the opportunity that we have to open it together. Thank you for... Uh, the story of hope that you have given to us this Easter Sunday. Thank you for uh, an empty tomb, for the life that is offered to us through your son Jesus. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your word this morning. God, we love you 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, Do you know what's the worst? The worst is surprises. I do not like surprises. And I understand in saying that, that there are a few exceptions. And I also know that moments ago, I walked out uh, in a bunny costume. That was a bit surprising. Uh, But more often than not, I like to know what to expect. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. And so this morning, uh, up top, I want to let you know what you are getting yourselves into by sharing with you the purpose of this talk. It's actually found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 20. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have a phone with you this morning, you can pull it out and you can follow along. John chapter 20, I'm going to be reading from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version of the Bible. Just Google John chapter 20, ESV, and it's going to bring it up. The internet's an amazing thing. Uh, So pull that up, and I'm going to read to you what my purpose is this morning, and then we're going to work backwards, right? So we're going to start with the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning and work toward this. Uh, It says in John chapter 20, verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So verse 31 shares with you what John's purpose was in writing the book and what my purpose is this morning, Uh, namely that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, do you not want to experience life? I mean, don't we all experience or long to experience life? How many times have you had an experience in life where you've thought to yourself, that was so life-giving to me? Did you ever do that before? You ever spend time with family or friends or finally uh, take a vacation and uh, you enjoy the world around you and you go, man, that's just so life-giving. When I spend time with her, when I spend time with him, it's just so life-giving. Don't you long to experience life? I do. I think all of us do. Well, the good news is, is that life is offered uh, to you and to me. And so how do we experience it? How do we get it? How do we get what John is talking about? Because when this happens, when you believe that Jesus is the Christ and you experience life in his name, that is a miracle. It's a miracle. It doesn't just happen. To come to the point in life when you're like, I am all in for Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And you push everything to the center of the table and commit to follow him. Um, Not everybody does that. So so why does that make sense? Why should we do that? Well, I want to look at the story from a handful of people who are closest to Jesus and think together about what caused them to get to the point in life where they said, hey, we're in, we're in. And I want to do that by beginning in John chapter 20. And so turn with me to John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went, and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Um, People historically have sometimes questioned the validity of the resurrection because they've uh, believed that someone stole the body of Jesus. Like like someone came in and simply swiped his body when no one was paying attention. Uh, What's interesting is Mary, who was at the tomb, 
when she came to the tomb and saw the stone rolled away, that was her first thought. Right? She ran to get Peter and ran to get the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is John, and, and tell them someone took the body of Jesus. Right? So, so Mary's at a point in her life where not everything is crystal clear for her. She still has questions. She's still pondering the claims of Christ. She runs to the disciples and she's like, someone snatched his body. And I love what scripture says happened next. It says, so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This just reminds me of something a dude would write when he's talking about his buddy who he was running to the tomb with. John, who wrote the book, is telling the story and is saying, hey, me and Peter ran to the tomb. I got there first. He's like, I'm a little quicker than Peter. It just reminds me of two guys working out going, yeah, we worked out together, but I benched more. Like, I, I got there first. I ran faster. I think, John, if he was around today, he'd be a CrossFitter. Like, he'd be posting his times on Facebook all the time. Look what I did. Look what I did. Just a little faster than my buddies. I don't know the spiritual significance of John getting there before Peter, but he did. He said he outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5 says, in stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Two observations. Um, thieves typically do not fold laundry. Right? Thieves, I, don't, I don't know if you've read a, a story like a B&E recently, a breaking and entering, or someone going into the house, and you tune into Charlotte News, and they're like, some guy went into a house, and he rummaged through all the drawers. He got in that junk drawer that everyone has in the kitchen. He started throwing things out. He flipped up the mattress looking for loot. And oh, by the way, he folded the fitted sheets and towels. Like people don't do that. And so when I read this account and I, and I read that there's the burial cloth that's on the ground and then somewhere next to it neatly folded is the wrap that was around Jesus' head, it leads me to believe that perhaps thieves are not the ones that came in and snatched his body. Like, like maybe something else is going on here. Maybe something else is happening. But it's interesting to me when I, re when I read this account, particularly those last couple verses, it says of the disciples, of Peter and John, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Like, isn't it interesting to you that the people who were closest to Jesus the people who knew Jesus and walked with Jesus and followed Jesus and ate with Jesus, they apparently did not have everything figured out. Right? They, they still hadn't come to a point, at least up until now, where they understood and were able to connect the dots for why Jesus had come and what exactly Jesus came to do. Do you ever feel like your relationship with Jesus is a work in progress? Like you hear some people talk about Jesus and some people talk about faith and it seems like they have everything figured out. And then you're just scrambling. Like you're, you're trying to hold on to something. You're trying to latch on to something. You're trying to connect the dots in your mind. Isn't it 
in, in some ways comforting to know that even Jesus' disciples, those closest to him, man, it, it took them a while to come around. And maybe that resonates uh, with you this morning. We continue on in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, uh, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Right, so she, she still <laughs> thinks someone took the body of Jesus. It says in verse 14, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. We don't know why. The text doesn't uh, tell us. Perhaps she didn't recognize his resurrected body or he hadn't revealed himself to her, but she still doesn't connect the dots. And then Jesus said to her, verse 15 says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Still doesn't get it, right? She's talking to Jesus. She still doesn't see. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, uh, Rabboni, which means teacher. Isn't it amazing that Jesus speaks her name? Just says her name, Mary. And it finally clicks to her. And she, she recognizes the voice of Jesus. It reminds me of when scripture says that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they follow him. Like Jesus just speaks her name and her eyes are opened. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I, ascended, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I love, I love that phrase, I have seen the Lord. And at one time she didn't recognize Jesus, she didn't see Jesus, but her eyes were opened. And she saw the Lord. Did you ever have that experience before? Or maybe some of you are here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I haven't, I haven't seen the Lord. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what does it mean to have seen the Lord? Other people are here and, and it's like your eyes have been opened to who Jesus is and you can't unsee what you've seen. Like you're just like, I've, I've just seen the Lord. And other people may hear and it doesn't make sense to them or they don't understand or they don't grasp quite what you are saying, but you are like, I'm, I'm in. Like you're the kind of person that goes to your family or friends or neighbors. You're the weird guy. You're the weird, weird gal. And you're like, I've, I've seen the Lord. Maybe not physically seen him, but I mean spiritually. Like your eyes have been opened. And, and so you just tell people, like I've, I've seen the Lord. That's what happened to Mary. She didn't see him. She didn't recognize him. She thought his body was stolen. Then he speaks her name, Mary, and she sees him. Maybe this morning God's going to do that for some of you. Like you're here this morning, you do not see him, but it's going to be as if God speaks your name. And you're going to say, I have seen the Lord. It's amazing to me that, uh, that Jesus reveals himself uh, to Mary uh, first. It's amazing when you read the gospel accounts that that Jesus actually revealed himself to women. Like in our culture, we may not give that a second thought, but understand, like 2,000 years ago, the, the testimony of a woman was not even valid in court. 
And, and so if you were trying to build your case and say, hey, I saw something, I experienced something, and you were a woman, people literally would not listen to you. Right? So if you're writing this story and you want other people to know that it's true, if you're making it up, more than likely, you're not going to have the first witnesses be a bunch of women. And, and yet, God in his providence, in his goodness, uh, has Jesus reveal himself uh, to women like Mary. It just leads me to believe that maybe there's something to the story that's actually valid and true. Mary sees uh, the Lord, her life uh, is changed, and then Jesus, in verse 19, is going to reveal himself to the disciples. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, uh, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he sends them out uh, to go on uh, mission. This is beautiful what he does. Jesus' disciples are locked away. Essentially, they're, they're hiding from the world around them in some sense because the one they followed, whom they expected and thought was the savior of the world, had just been crucified. And in the circles where they were running and hanging out with, uh, they were in a culture, in a context that did not love Jesus. There were authorities over them who had just crucified the one who they thought was the savior of the world. Right? So in, in some ways, I wonder if, if Jesus um, didn't exactly fall in line with what their expectations were. Many people thought that the savior of the world would be a political leader. He would come and he would overthrow Rome and he would lead the charge. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't the king that sat on a throne. He was the king of the human heart. And so when he is crucified, those who followed him began to worry. And so here in this passage, the disciples essentially are locked behind a door thinking they are safe when Jesus comes to them and speaks to them multiple times and says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Did you ever stand in need of peace before? Did you ever long for peace or struggle for peace or pray for peace? Did you ever have experiences in life where you lacked peace? Have any worriers here when you look at the world around you or you look at your own family or uh, the situation in your own home or the situation at work or you look at yourself as you begin to age and you worry, you're afraid. Jesus speaks to us in those moments and says, peace be with you. A number of years ago, I uh, went into the hospital for a small little uh, procedure on my heart. I tell my family and friends that I had a heart transplant. Um, that's not true. It was an outpatient surgery. It lasted like six hours. But I try to embellish a little bit to make the story exciting. But I still remember uh, being wheeled back into uh, the operating room uh, early that morning, and the cardiologist stood over me, and I literally, I mean, I was shaking. I was shaking. I was, I was cold. I was shaking. My teeth are chattering. And my cardiologist looked over at me and said, are you Okay. Like, did you, are, are you okay this morning? And I said, Doc, the question is, is are you okay this morning? Right, because you're going to operate on me. I wanted to know uh, that he was trustworthy. I wanted to know that I could count on him, that everything was going to be okay 
when he was doing that procedure, I think in a lot of ways we long for the same thing as a people. Like we want to know, God, am I going to be okay? Like is this going to be all right? And God says, my, my peace, my peace, I'm going to give to you. Like peace be with you. God still does that today. He still extends his peace uh, to us. Uh, this, the story continues and uh, we read about a gentleman who we know is Doubting Thomas. Uh, Doubting Thomas was the guy who, uh, believe it or not, he had some doubts. And this is what Scripture says about who we call Doubting Thomas. It says, now Thomas, uh, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Right, so this is Thomas. This is one of the disciples. This is one of the guys that followed Jesus. The other disciples have an experience that Thomas doesn't have. Right? And Thomas essentially says to the other disciples, listen, man, it's great that you had that experience with Jesus. Like, I'm super happy you saw him, but I didn't. And until I see him, like until I experience him, I am not going to believe. I will not believe, Thomas says. You ever feel like that before? Where you listen to some folks who have had an experience with God, uh, who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, who love Jesus, and it seems like on the outside looking in, they sort of have everything figured out. But you're sitting there going, listen, I'm great that you had that experience, but until Jesus shows up in my life, I will not believe. But that was Thomas. And what's so beautiful about this story is what Jesus does for Thomas. Because Jesus very easily could have said, listen, I've done enough. <laughs> I've walked with you. I've taught you. I, I sat down at the table with you. I've risen from the dead. Kind of a big thing. Resurrections on a whole are not on the rise. Like Jesus had ample evidence that he was real, that he was authentic, that he could be trusted. But Jesus in his kindness and in his mercy and in his patience, uh, he comes to Thomas. I love this. Verse 26 says, Eight days later his disciples uh, were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I read that and I thought, we're kind of in that second category, right? Blessed are those uh, who have not seen and yet believe, right? We, are Christians, followers of Jesus, we live by faith, right? And not always by sight. Like, we, we don't always see uh, the way that we should see. Uh, but God invites us in to follow him, uh, even though we have not seen. 
the, the passage ends, John ends uh, chapter 20 and says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, can I ask you a personal question this Easter Sunday? Uh, do you believe? Like, do, you, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did what he said he was going to do? Uh, do you uh, believe Jesus rose from the grave? Uh, pastor and author Andy Stanley once uh, famously said, anyone who can predict their own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm just going to do whatever he says. <laughs> like, I love that. I'm like, hey, if you can pull it off, Jesus, I'm in. Jesus rose uh, from uh, the grave and he revealed himself. Scripture says he revealed himself uh, to Mary, to his disciples, to doubting Thomas. Scripture, the Gospels record hundreds of other people that Jesus actually revealed himself to. Jesus rose from the grave. He revealed himself uh, to those who knew him. Uh, and he recorded the story for us uh, in this book. And so my question for you this morning is, uh, do you believe? Have you experienced the life uh, that is offered uh, to you? Uh, scripture teaches us that we, humanity, is born into sin. Uh, we've sinned against God in word, in thought, and in deed. We've all fallen short, all of us. There are no exceptions. And God is just. God cannot ignore sin or simply pass over sin or brush it under the rug. He must deal with it. Uh, but God is also gracious and he's merciful. Uh, and he sent Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. Uh, Jesus was buried and he rose again three days later, uh, defeating death and offering life uh, to you and to me. And so I have a question for you this morning. Uh, do you believe? I want to invite you this morning, if you have never believed before, uh, maybe this day, maybe this Easter Sunday uh, is the day where you can walk away and say, I have seen the Lord. There's two things I'm going to ask you to do. One, if that's you, if you're like, yes, I, I believe, I am in, and I want to encourage you to scan that code that was on that card when you came in this morning. Um, let, let us know that you made that decision this morning. Uh, or if you feel comfortable, after the song we're going to sing in just a moment, our prayer team is going to come up, and if you'd like to pray uh, with someone and celebrate uh, God's good work in your heart and in your life, I want to invite you to do that. But would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you so much. Uh, for uh, the hope of the gospel. I thank you so much for the good work of Jesus, that he uh, came and lived, uh, died, was buried, and he rose again. He defeated death, and he offers life uh, to us. God, I pray that we as a people uh, would be a people who experience that new life. God, I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and in our lives to uh, open our eyes to the beauty of your son, Jesus. And I pray uh, for those here this morning that perhaps for the very first time, uh, they could leave this place and say, I have seen the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. Uh, we thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.